0: Hey, thanks for checking out this week's message. We hope you're blessed by the word of God. For more information on River of Life, you can check out our website, ROLMT.com, or download our app. Just search ROLMT in your app store. Thanks. Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 4 says this For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. Let's pray. God, right now, as we look at your word, I pray, Father, that you'll show us what we need to see. Father, we're so grateful for all the things that you do. Lord, we thank you for who you are. God, I know that there are so many victories, even in my own life, that as I would look back, I would see your hand at work and how much you fight for me. So God, I pray that as we step into this new series, that God, you would remind us again, not only of past victories, but you would encourage us with future victories, that Lord, you would show us that you fight for us. And we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I want to take a few moments, and we're going to look at uh, a story out of the life of David. We find it in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You know, I was going to preach this message, and I thought, well, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago that I talked about David and Goliath, but can I tell you, it's been like eight years since I preached on David and Goliath. And so I feel pretty confident to be able to do that today. 1 Samuel chapter 17 verse 16 says this, for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every and, and evening and took his stand now Jesse said to his son David take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit see how their how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed him. He reached the camp as the army was going out In its battle position, shouting the war cry, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. Now I'm going to stop there for a moment because for some of you, you've been in the church. Maybe you know where this story is going. You understand this story and you know that there's this incredible miracle that's coming. But can I just tell you, as somebody who had teenage boys, the miracle, one of the miracles has already happened. Jesse says to his, child, his son, his teenage boy, he says, hey, listen, I need you to go and do this for your brothers. Yes. And he does it. Yes. All of you who are parents of teenagers can say amen. That is miraculous. Not only does he do it, it says he woke up early to go do it. I mean, we're just talking miracle after miracle after miracle. Um. All right, verse 22, David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him with great fear." Now, the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him uh, his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Everybody say, Amen. amen. David asked the man standing near him, What will be done? for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So let me give you a couple of things that are are understood about Goliath. Biblical scholars don't agree 100% on how tall he was, but it is somewhere between seven and nine feet tall is what the consensus is. And he was probably wearing about 126 pounds of armor, He could throw a spear with accuracy the length of a football field. And so as we look at this, it's crazy to think about this little teenage boy coming. He is basically Uber Eats at this point, right? He's not a soldier. He's not a warrior. He's just been called to bring lunch. And he shows up and he sees that the Israelites go out and it's morning. So they get into their line. They're ready to fight. The Philistines line up in their line, and as they're lining and and they're sizing each other up, then this giant, this big man comes out, and he begins to yell and scream. And, And the Bible says that the Israelites then, instead of standing there, they flee. They run. And so David enters the camp, and he begins to ask, why are you letting this happen? What is it that you don't understand? How is it that you think that this guy is so strong so he has a run in with his brother and he proceeds to ask, what is stopping us here? And so I want to look at a couple of things about this story. First of all, what got David to this place on this particular day? And we see in 1 Samuel 16 that God sent Samuel to Jesse's house earlier on. And, or, and, and in that, he was there to anoint a king. Now I'm not going to go through that whole story, but if you know that story, or if you want to spend some time looking at it, it's interesting because Samuel has been called to Jesse's house. He says, "I'm going to go and I'm going to anoint the next king." And he gets to Jesse's house, and 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 Jesse lines up all of his sons from oldest to youngest, from from these fine specimen who would make incredible kings. And 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 as he's going through, and he's going, to, he's looking for who he's supposed to anoint. He goes, I, "I don't, I don't feel like any of these are the right guys." And they said, "Do you have any other?" Sons and, and, and Jesse goes, Well, just David. He's out in them, he's out in the field, though. He's 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 the little guy, he's the guy that's doing the cruddy job. And so he says, Go get him. And and so this has happened before David is, is doing this 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 uh, run-in with Goliath, but that he gets anointed to be the king. It's the underdog aspect. Not even he wasn't even looked at, he wasn't considered. He wasn't, he wasn't even on the list. He didn't get pulled in like, well, we'll keep you here just because you are one of the brothers and we'll just let you be here where well, there's no way they're going to pick you. They didn't even think there was a chance, so they left him in the field. So people maybe have written you off. Maybe you feel as though when, you, when we even talk in here about God's vision for your life or God's plans for you and all of that, you, you have all kinds of reasons why you could never be picked. And that's, as we look at this story, I want you to understand that's, that's David's story. That's where he came from. He came from being the one that nobody even considered. He probably assumed that he would live his whole life being the least. And so he gets anointed, and, and, and now he's in this position where, where he knows that that day is going to come. And I know that that almost seems ridiculous that God would choose the smallest and the weakest, the least likely, But for some of you, you need to hear that today because that's exactly what God does. does. Some of you, your story you think eliminates you. And I'm telling you that God loves to take the foolish things to confound the wise. He likes to take the weakest to take out the strongest. And so as we look at this, we need to understand that calling compels us. Know who God says you are. We talked about this last weekend when we talked about identity. The enemy will come after your identity because most of the time if he can get you to believe something that's untrue about yourself, it will stop you from being who God says that you are. Now I don't know how many of you have named your year yet, but I want to encourage you to do that. It's incredible what this does inside of our minds and inside of our hearts when we say, God, what do you see in me for this year? Those uh, For those of you who don't already have one, those cards are available at the Welcome Center. If you want to take one of those, that that is just a space where you can fill out what the name of your year is. And I've talked to many people who have already named their year, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do through that. But we've got to start believing who God says that we are, and we need to move in that direction. And with that, I want you to understand that obedience is key. Obedience puts you in the right place. So even as we look at this story, the future king is reduced to being a delivery boy in this story. He's already been anointed. And so his dad says, hey, would you wake up early tomorrow? And would you take some bread and some cheese and go check on your brothers for me? Now he could have said, do you know who you're talking to? I am the future king. There's other people you can send to do that. But instead, he's obedient Obedience is important. He, had he not been obedient, David never would have killed Goliath. He wouldn't have even heard Goliath. He wouldn't have known about Goliath. For some of you, you need to hear this because, um, because you are not allowing yourself through obedience to be put in the right place at the right time. Things you think are insignificant gain significance when we do them as unto the one who holds all significance. So this story, pretty insignificant task. Future king could easily say no, but instead he says, I am called to be obedient. My dad asked me to, I'm gonna do it. Now out of that obedience, he finds himself on the battlefield. As he finds himself on the battlefield, he begins to see there's a problem here. And not only does he see there's a problem here, he knows inside of him there's an answer to the problem. But for many of us, we're not, we're not where we're supposed to be because we've given up, uh, uh, we've not been obedient in the little things. Maybe it's because you think you're, you're too big for them. Maybe it's because you don't want to do them. Maybe it's just because you're busy doing other things. But obedience puts you on the battlefield. Great accomplishments start with a simple act of obedience. And faith gives us what we need to win. So what you need to understand is the way that this battle would have worked is that they would have lined up all of these warriors, and in an instance, they could either all go all versus all, they all just go against each other, or they can say, one king could say to the other king, hey, I'm going to send my best warrior against your best warrior. And whoever wins, they win. The, the, that army wins. And so this is a big deal. I mean, we look at the story and we're like, oh, yeah, that's cool that that happened. But the the reality is, is this is a very big deal. And so because of that, David has to convince them that he can do this. Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be the one uh, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bearer will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So I want to I land here for just a second because I think this is important. I am sure that when David was, was out with his sheep, And a bear would come and take one of his sheep and he'd have to go and and fight the bear and and get the sheep back and all that. I'm sure there's part of him because David, we know through scripture, was a worshiper. So he might have even been out there with his harp and worshiping. And all of a sudden this bear comes and grabs one of the sheep and he's got to set the harp down. He's got to go run after this thing and do all this stuff. And he probably was even a little bit, maybe even grumpy about the fact, man, I'm tired of these stupid animals coming and taking my sheep. But can I tell you that God was padding his resume. So last week we talked about Jacob and his limp. And we talked about the fact that, that Jacob could have complained about the fact that he had a limp, that he, that he got this limp from wrestling with God. And some of you have a limp because you've done some things and you've had some hard things happen in your life. Some of you've walked through trauma. Some of you walked through hardships. Some of you've gone through things that, that every time it comes up in your mind, it, it actually brings pain to you. And, and you, can either, you can either curse those things or you can say, God, I believe that you're going to use those things for me to change the world. As we look at this story, we see that David could have been very upset the fact that he had to do all these things. He probably wondered, why is it that I have to fight a lion? Why is it that I have to fight the bear? But as he stood in this moment, we see that God is saying, I did those things. It was training for you. It was setting you up for this very moment because this is an important moment, not only for you, David, but for the whole nation it's a transformation moment. And with that, he gets Saul's permission to proceed. There's more to the story. You can see that, that they, they, they make decisions that they're going to try and, and put him in armor and all these things. But David goes and he collects some stones and he doesn't do it with the armor. See, man knows what man knows, right? Right? So the, the, the thing to do is like, hey, you're going to go fight this guy. He's got all this armor. We're going to get you a bunch of armor. And, and David, being a young man, puts on the armor. It's too heavy. It's too clunky. It's not what he needs. And so he takes it off and, and he goes and he collects some stones. And verse 41 says, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. The more confident we become in our faith, the more the enemy despises us. The more you walk with an understanding that he is with you, the more the enemy is gonna despise you. The The more he's gonna come against you, the more he's gonna wanna take you out. Verse 43, he said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. David knew how to talk some smack. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that this is not my sword or spear that the Lord saved, but by my by my sword or my spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line and met him. So there's something interesting about this story and part of the reason I wanted to preach it is uh, if you were to Google Bible characters who were underdogs, David would be the first one. David and Goliath. In fact, so much so that you will hear the term David and Goliath, even in secular terms, where they will say, they will say, oh, the little guy taking on the big guy. and And it almost means always that he's the underdog. But what I want you to hear, and what this series is actually really all about, is that David knew he was not the underdog. He knew he wasn't the underdog. If you're the underdog, you're not running to the battle. You're going sheepishly to the battle. You're hoping that God's going to show up. But all throughout this story, what we see is even though there was all these men who were there to fight, none of them would. And David questioned them, why are you allowing this? Well, we need to understand in our society today is it's super easy for us as Christians to feel as though we're the underdog. We are not the underdog. We serve the God of angel armies. We serve the one who is fully in control, who has always been in control and will continue to always be in control. So as we see this, I want you to understand that David did not see himself as an underdog. And my hope is to bolster your faith so that you will begin to understand that you are not the underdog in your story. David had a lot of things that, if we looked at it through man's eyes, were against him in this story. That's right. That's true. These men who were trained, who were armed, who were ready—they would not. They would flee when they saw Goliath. So, if you look at it through our, our, the eyes of our flesh, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would he? But David was in a place where, and I got to say this, I think that a lot of the reason that David had so much faith was because he spent so much time with his God. As we look at scripture, we see that David was a worshiper. We see that David would continually be in prayer. He'd be, I mean, he had a lot of time with sheep, so he had a lot of time to be praying. So he did. And he spent that time praying. And as he prayed, God would speak to him. God would show himself to him. We see that, again, there's a battle against a bear. God shows up. There's a battle against a lion. God shows up. So David is fully versed in the fact that God is a God who shows up. Yes. So if we look at this, Goliath could throw a spear accurately the length of a football field. And as we look at the story, David was much closer than that. Goliath was covered from head to toe with armor. There was one opening between his eyes. And David didn't whine. He didn't run away. He didn't say this is impossible. See, a lot of times I think when we're in the middle of a battle, we want a football field size opening. And God may just give you an opening of a few inches. But the thing is, is if it's up to you, then that's scary. But if it's up to God, it's possible. So if you come to a place where, like David, you go, yeah, I've got this much room, just that little amount. I'm that guy that's way over there. I'm pretty good with this, but good thing it's not dependent on me. I mean, there's a little bit of me that wonders if David didn't have a little bit of like, uh, just in case, because he grabbed more stones than he needed. He actually only needed one. Verse 49, reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from its sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with a sword. So now there's a few things about this story that I want you to understand. A teenager with no armor against a giant fighting machine with 126 pounds of armor. A king sent a teenager when men wouldn't go. What's the moral of that? It's the fact that this teenager, this young man, understood who was fighting for him. And some of you need to hear that today because you are in the middle of it right now. You've got a giant in front of you right now and you're not sure how you're gonna get to the other side. You're not sure how you're going to be able to to make it through. And I want you to hear it today because you need to understand that if you're gonna fight it on your own, then you may or may not win. I can't promise you anything. But if your hope is in him if your trust is in him, if you understand that he fights for you, he can do exceeding abundant above anything that you could ever ask or hope for because that's the God that we serve. God has victory for you. It starts with calling. Maybe you don't feel a clear direction at this moment, but start following what you know. In other words, what, what is it that you know? You know God's word. So begin to walk that out. And I'm telling you right now, we talked a little bit about it before, but, but being able to put yourself into a position where maybe you don't know if you hear God's voice or not, but begin to pray that then and say, God, I want to hear from you. Lord, will you, will you reveal yourself to me? And sometimes it might be a thought process that you have. It might be a verse that you read. It might be through somebody speaking something to you. But inside of that, becoming a, becoming a person that will listen for the calling that God has for you. And then that moves us to the next thing, which is so important, and that's obedience. Be faithful with what you know to be right. So David, obedient. Puts him in position. Disobedience. This story wouldn't exist if David had said, and he and he probably could have. I mean, in that time and stuff, you'd be in trouble for not listening to your dad. But I don't know what it is if you're anointed to be king. I don't know how that works. But he could have made an excuse. He could have said, "I'm not feeling good. I don't really want to go today." Whatever. But instead, he said, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to get up early. I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to check on my brothers as my dad has asked. And because he was obedient, he finds himself in a place. Some of you haven't been in a place for victory because you haven't been obedient to even get yourself to the battlefield. And then the last part is faith. Seeing what God can do. Knowing what God can do. Some of you are still wrapping your head around calling, but I want you to understand that, that for, for you in your story right now, in the circumstance that you find yourself in today, can you put yourself into a place where you begin to go, God, I don't know how, but I know you will. I don't know why I find myself here, but I'm trusting that you'll bring me through it. I don't know why I gotta fight this bear. I don't know why the lion keeps coming for the sheep, but I'm gonna trust you that as I walk that out and as, I, as I'm faithful to win that battle, that God, when a bigger battle comes, I'm ready for it because I've seen your hand at work. Once you pass through those three things, you'll put yourself into a position not only to see bigger battles, but to win bigger battles. This is a story that even people who don't ever read the Bible know David and Goliath. People who have never set foot in the church know the story of David and Goliath. Why? Again, people outside of the church, David's the underdog. He He took out the big giant. But in David's eyes, Goliath was the underdog. Whatever your problem is today, whatever your struggle, whatever it is you're faced with today that seems overwhelming, it's the underdog. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, maybe you, maybe you sit in this room today and you're struggling with an addiction that you don't feel like you'll ever get to the other side of, and I'm telling you right now, that addiction is the underdog if your hope and your faith is in Jesus Christ. Maybe you find yourself faced with financial crisis and struggle and you don't know how you're gonna pay this month's rent and all of those things. And if you're doing it on your own, then you are the underdog. Yep. But if your hope is in him, that is the underdog. Yeah. Yeah. We've gotta change our mindset. We've gotta understand that God has called us to be victorious. Here's the thing, guys. I just wanna say this. We live in a time in our society where victimhood is, is, is something that people like wear like a badge of honor. The, the bigger your victimhood, the, 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 you know, the better it is. And I'm telling you, that is not what God has called this church to be. We have not been called to be victims. We've been called to be victorious. We've been called to show what victory looks like. And we've got to stop hanging our head low and walking through life hoping that nobody notices us. And we need to be a little bit more like David we show up on the battlefield, then as hard as it may look, we know it doesn't matter because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And we need to walk that out. I'm actually gonna ask the worship team to come up and they're gonna get ready. I wasn't, they weren't planning on this, so hopefully they can make this happen, but I would actually like for them to sing that I speak Jesus again. Um, hopefully that doesn't throw a wrench in anything. You got it, buddy? I knew you did. Um, I just, as we were singing that song earlier today, I was just thinking, man, uh, how incredible is that? That as we think about just speaking Jesus over the circumstances of our life and understanding that he is able, whatever it is that you're walking through today. And I guess as we do that, I just wanna wanna encourage you. We're gonna have... We're ending this a little earlier today, but I did that because I would like actually the opportunity. We're gonna have prayer teams down here if you need prayer for something, but maybe you need to just come and come to an altar and spend a little time reminding yourself how big your God is. Whatever the problem is, whatever your struggle is, to be able to just come and say, God, I've been overwhelmed by this. I've been like the other Israelite soldiers who would see the problem and run from it. But today, give me the heart of David. Change my mindset. Help me to understand who you are. Help me to understand how big you actually are. And Lord, I I don't want to just go to the battle. I want to run to the battle. I mean, I love that part of the story because it says David ran to him. David's not timid. He's not worried. He already knows the outcome because he knows his God. Some of you need to have the heart of David. Let's run to the battle. Let's watch what God does. So I want to pray over you. Then the worship team's going to sing that again and, and, and wherever it goes from there is fine, but I just would love the opportunity to give you the chance to come and bring whatever it is that's weighing you down and bring it and say, God, I'm trusting you with it. It's not up to me. Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you so much because you are in control. Lord, I know that there are those who are here or in Star Valley or just even within the sound of my voice right now that it feels like things are out of control. And God, I pray that we will we will face our giant like David did. That we'll come to that place of understanding that you you are the one that fights the battle for us that lord it may look like victory is is a slim chance it's a small opening for victory but god you're guiding us you're directing us you're in front of us so god i pray for those who came in here feeling turmoil that they'll leave feeling peace god for those who walked into this place feeling as though it's the end, I pray that they'll know that today's the beginning. God, I pray over every person within the sound of my voice right now that, God, you would breathe life into them again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Will you stand? Let's sing this. The altars are open. If you need prayer, there are people here who would love to pray with you.